This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourists, guys. You've gone all sultry. (laughs) Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our website skydemily.com and alexlacy.com as well as ladieswholondon.com for the uh, weekly blog and information about upcoming tours and things. Lots of things. Things. All the things. All the things. <laughs> Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm very well, Alex. Good. How are you? Very well. Hello, lovely listeners as well. How are you? Yes. Hello. Jolly good. Hello. Yep. Good. Lovely. Yeah. All good out here. Brilliant. <laughs> How have you been this week? Um, this week I have been good. I have been doing quite a quite a bit of sketching. Oh, good! You've been working quite hard as well, haven't you? Yeah, and Carmen is starting to roll over. Is that is that a good thing? Well, it's a bit of a scary thing actually because I literally cannot leave her for a second, and she's just like <laughs> face on the floor, Brilliant. screaming. I'm like, oh god, it's uh, um, very relatable. <laughs> and yeah, so things are getting pretty real. Um, I've been looking at the corners on tables and looking at plug sockets. You know, every area now is just like danger zone, uh, danger she'll zone. She'll be walking before you know it. Oh, God. Um, yeah, like, just, it's mad. I can't <laughs> believe that she's nearly five months. It's just gone so quickly. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And you've had a jolly week. Yeah, I've been busy. It's been, uh, oh, work has exploded in the last couple it of weeks. It has for you, great. isn't it? You have yeah. been a busy bee. I think it's going to quiet down a little bit but it's been very last minute lots of oh can you do a tour tomorrow or the next mm. day um and i'm finally doing my washing today so that's uh that's a good that's a good thing uh, clean pants please clean pants please yeah absolutely because uh yeah uh, we were running out of things to wear but we're all good <laughs> we're all good but i'm out tomorrow uh on a tour with um a lovely chap called gary who's been following me on instagram since the start of global tea break don't know if he listens to the podcast or not if he doesn't give him a clip around the ear tomorrow um and we're going to go out and do uh he's got some american guests visiting him so we're going to go and do all kinds of fun stuff around london Ooh, excellent great very nice yeah, yeah. so welcome back this week have you got any shout outs this week i haven't um 
I don't think I do. No. Oh, I, no, I do have a shout out. Oh. I've got a shout out to Vanessa. And okay. this is somebody that I met in Holland and Barrett last week. <laughs> okay. So I was in Holland and Barrett getting my vitamins. Lovely, yep, and, yep. And uh, Vanessa, who I'd never met before, said, hello, are you Emily? And I was like, <laughs> what? oh my God, this is well, that's horrifying. <laughs> fan being the operative word. <laughs> Um, and he said, I listen to Ladies Who London. And this morning I saw Alex guiding what? at the Tower of London. And I've just seen you today. And I was like, oh my God, I think stalking us. Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so a big shout out to Vanessa. It was lovely. Oh, she didn't come up and say you. hi to me. So she was obviously spying on me from a distance. Well, but... I think she, she saw that you were guiding. So oh, didn't enough. want to. Um, but I was only buying vitamins. So she launched <laughs> that's right That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, well, yeah, hi, shout Vanessa. Out Hello. To Vanessa. Hello. Fantastic. And a little update on the tickets for Operation Mincemeat on the 19th of January. If you want to come, there's not that many left. It's mm. almost sold out. So if you are going to join us, um, just a reminder, we're not affiliated with them at all. It's just a link to one of the podcast episodes that we did um, towards the start of, of, of Ladies Who London. Um, there's a, a play about it, which was well it seemed to be amazing because it got great reviews and is back in the new year for a second run so if you want to come and join us on the 19th of january at 7 30 um please do because i know quite a few people have messaged and said they are going to be there which is really exciting <gasps> i'm yeah. mega excited plus yeah. it's going to be january and you just need something to look forward yeah, to in you january do. you absolutely do operation yeah. mince me which is a bit heavy but, it's a bit heavy, <laughs> but I, yeah I, I mean i have no idea what how the show is going to be no. I'm, I'm excited I really hope it's good it seems to be because that's all the yeah. all the reviews have been but, uh, pretty um, good so a couple of glasses of vino I think yeah we're booking the next day off yes <laughs> <laughs> amazing right well let's get on to this week's podcast but before we do that we have to clear up podcast pedestal we do from last week your lovely chat about uh, Prince Libu and Oh My which mm. I mean I have to say I'd heard of Prince Libu didn't know too much about him never heard of Oh My very interesting chap yeah so thank he was you. an interesting chap yeah yeah you're welcome and i think we went for two very good choices we did and they were both kind of creatively artsy weren't they they were remind everybody what you went for well i went for the theater production they did a theater production about his life Mm. um crucially while he was there and he would have seen it because they it was sort of while he was in london and and was a bit of kind of the talk of the town and uh yeah that's what i went for what was your pick so my pick was the painting of Oh My by Joshua Reynolds, um, which I I put a little reel up on Instagram. Mm. Um, and yes, I just thought it was extraordinary that he was so well known that Joshua Reynolds painted a portrait of him um, and actually kept it in his studio. He basically did it for for his own kind of just, yeah. just fun, really. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, I went for that. Very two very good choices, I think. I would say that, wouldn't I? <laughs> you would. I what do you said reckon? It as well. You did. You I, did. <laughs> um, I think that it's very close. Very close. Uh, another. We're we talking another. It is always very close. <laughs> it's not always. Um, do you think you've swung it? Are you the close of win or close of lose? I think maybe I'm a a tic tac out. I think you've got me by a tic-tac. Oh. Well, it's not close at all. Oh. And you haven't. You won. It was 35-65%. <gasps> 35-65. <gasps> <gasps> wow. 
Wow. You're in there, mate. Goodness me. The portrait won it. I mean, wow. that was a great choice. That was a great well, choice. Thank you very much, everybody, who voted Indeed. my way. That's excellent news for me. Absolutely. Oh, and I think I don't, I don't think we have any clue who's in, <laughs> in the lead at the moment. We've lost count, haven't we? Um, no, I do. I'm, oh, oh I, do you know? Yes, I do. I put it up on Insta. Yes, I should know. Okay. It's uh, well, currently then it's twenty six twenty four to me. I think. <gasps> oh my goodness, that is <laughs> now. I'm now I'm now I'm worried. I'm gonna have to yes. pull it back. Pull yeah, it back I've this been week. in the lead for quite some time now. Actually. Oh dear. I'm not happy about that. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Well, in that case, I'll have to bring it back this week. On... Bring it back if you can. Uh, well, I will try. Now, um. It is Black History Month this month, and both you and I firmly believe that black history is part of history and should be treated as such. But when the option presents itself for Black History Month, we've kind of decided that we want to go with that. So I've done that as well this week with Mm -hmm. the story of a really interesting lady. I'm I'm kind of, do do you not think that... Well, we've been doing this now for 50, this will be week 57, I think, of our podcast, so over a year, obviously. Um, And do you not think there have been some people or some things that have cropped up that you just think, I didn't know anything about that, and they are fascinating, or Mm. I knew a bit, and their full story is amazing. Do you you feel like that? Yeah, I really do. That's not how I feel with a lot of the people and, and the events and things that we've talked about. And it's another one this week, and I have to say... She is a fascinating woman, um, but it's also very fascinating as her story as a social study in a way. Okay. Because she is, so her name, well, she's got two names. Um, her African name, her Yoruba name is Amoba Aina. Mm-hmm. Uh, her English name is Sarah Forbes Bonetta, and I'll come to why she's got two names. Um, but what's interesting is she is a black woman in Victorian society. Now, I mean, do you know anything about people of colour in Victorian society and, you know, how how they were treated or how they were reacted to or anything like that? Well, I mean, you hear, and I think, well, you did mention it at the end of the last podcast, I think, in terms of Queen Victoria and, Mm -hmm. you know, she was quite interested um, about kind of black culture and there were quite a few people that worked around her that were... Yeah. Of yeah. Um, but I think it was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting time for people of colour in the UK because um, Victorian era, both the slave trade and the act of slavery have been abolished in the mm. early 1800s. But, and there are people, there have been people of colour in, in the UK since, well, actually going back as far as the Romans, if not beyond then. Um, but, quite in, in fairly substantial numbers uh, from about the 1700s and of course with slavery um the 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 sort of overriding thought was that people of color especially africans because those are the majority of the people of color that they that white v- victorian society would have been seeing is that they were intellectually inferior to the brits mm. and what we see and in fact we've seen this on a couple of different stories like the story of and we haven't done her on um, the podcast, but on Global Tea Break, uh, Sophia Duleep Singh, for example, um, a whole variety of different people who are of colour, are not of, of British or, or white British descent, coming over to England and people going, oh, actually, they're quite intelligent, aren't they? And oh, aren't they amazing at writing and reading and singing and all this kind of stuff? And and it, it's 
kind of interesting as a social experiment because this is where white Victorian societies start to see people of colour and go, oh, actually, they might not be as intellectually inferior as we thought. And Sarah Forbes Bonetta is one of these these people that is in this period where people are white, you know, white Brits are starting to kind of look at people of African origin slightly differently. Mm. So with that in mind, let's kind of rewind to the start of um, her story. She, I mean, she's a very... Well, I say prominent. She's holds quite a, a few sort of firsts. She's the first black bride of uh, of the royal family, it, sort of of the royal family. Um, she's kind of the first black member of the sort of again sort of member of the British royal family. But she's not really talked about. Whenever you talk about Victoria Britain, Sarah Forbes Bonetta doesn't come up. She was known in society as Queen Victoria's black goddaughter, and that's kind of how she, you know, sort of was was famous i guess if you like but if we go back to her young life now she was born in africa she was born in well she was part of um the egbado uh tribe which was well they're now known as the yewa so egbado the name doesn't exist they changed the name in i think it was 1995 and they're part of the yoruba people okay so this tribe still exists today Yes, absolutely. They're now named uh, Yewa and the Yoruba are kind of like a, if you imagine, a, a larger group of peoples. And within that, you've got the Yewa uh, tribe. And she is the, the Egbado princess uh, of this, this village that she's in. So her, mm. her parents are kind of the rulers. And in fact, her name, quite interestingly, um, I don't know if you've ever been to the British Museum rather famously, or infamously, I should say, there are quite a lot of African... Um, uh, bits and pieces, um, sculptures and the men in bronzes, etc., that are in the British Museum. And one of the things that is quite interesting with these African cultures is that the the queen, uh, the who's sort of almost seen like the, the mother of the tribe, is the most important person. And she's known as the Oba. So this girl's name is Omoba Aina. So her first name is actually an honorific term stating that she is part of this royal family, basically. Wow, okay, yeah. So we know that she's, you know, um, she's a, a high breeding. Now, mm. and sorry, was there? Did you say there was a something, a particular something to look at in the British Museum? Um, well, there is not not directly related to Sarah Forbes Bonetta, but there is a really amazing, um, br- I think it's bronze um, head, cast head of uh, an oba. Um, in fact, let me show you a little picture. And again, we'll, we're going to pop this on the blog uh, because the. Um, that's that's kind of what we're using the blog for now is to show you pictures rather than tell the story. So all the things we talk about, um, we're going to have a little uh, look at some, on the blog. Some visuals. Yeah. Um, is this in the basement of the BM? It is. Now I have to say the African mm. galleries I absolutely love. Mm. Um, it's one of my favourite galleries to guide around in the British Museum. Um, and of course, there is, it's not without its controversy, but there are, one of the great things about it is that there's a lot of uh, modern um, African art and culture in there, as well as the stuff that is very much more controversial. So I'm just showing Emily some pictures of the Oba um, heads in there, um, particularly wow. this one right here. And I'm just trying to find... So really strong expressions very strong very expressive and um this amazing sculpture head of uh, a yoruban oba so uh, essentially a yoruban queen it's beautiful and wow. a lot of these artifacts that that were um taken and put in the british museum and other places were artifacts that again helped uh, to dispel this myth that uh, people of african descent are in- intellectually uh, inferior so because they they kind of assume that um you know it's that classic 
British imperial view that anybody who's anybody who's not white and British is basically a savage. Mm. Uh, and so they all sort of thought, oh, African art is really um, sort of minimal and very yeah, almost like savage. And then they start to find these incredible artifacts. Wow. And it shows that they're not at all primitive no. or savage in any way, shape or form. They're inc- the, the art that they're producing is incredibly detailed, very, very skilled. And very it's amazing. Skilled. So, the, you- so you've got, sorry. Go on, no, go on. No, I was just going to say that the kind of the crown upon her head is so detailed. It's yeah. got kind of, it almost looks like it's got like a, a walnut whip. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little tail, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The 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 front of it, and yes, this little kind of this tail that looks mm. like like a bulb coming up. It's gorgeous. It's, it's all just absolutely amazing. And so these sculptures are made of these oba, these um, very powerful, very much admired women who are basically the queens um, in these African tribes. So that's where she comes from. And the the Yewa tribe, the Yoruba people, are essentially southwest Nigeria. To give you an idea. Of um of where that is, now, she is a, a child, an infant at this point in time. Her parents are um are the chiefs there, and into her village comes a guy called King Gezo of Dahomey. Dahomey is what is now known as Benin. Um, a lot of the African nations have changed their names uh, in the last century or two, and and um so Dahomey is what it used to be. Now, at this point, I should point out that King Gezo of Dahomey is a major part of the slave trade. When you've got your Europeans coming over to West Africa um, and collecting their slaves, they are not doing the hard work of going around and gathering them up. They are in contracts and um, deals with uh, chief leaders, tribal leaders in um, the Western parts of Africa who go off on slave raids in their regions and into the into the sort of further into Africa to basically go and raid other villages and pick up people who can then be brought back to the coast and sold to the British and the Portuguese. So they're also part of it. And King Gezo of Dahomey, is, uh, he's basically made makes all of his money from the slave trade. So he, he's Gosh. doing very, very nicely out of it. Thank you very much. He comes to her village. Um, there's a raid on the village. Her parents are massacred. Um, she doesn't actually ever really know what happens to her brothers and sisters. Um, oh. So not because she's like three or four at this time. And she is kidnapped. She's taken away. Now, what he does is he takes all these slaves away and he sells them on. But he doesn't sell on a mob Aina. He doesn't sell her. She, he keeps her. And this, they reckon, actually, is an indication of her high breeding. Because she's royalty she would have been kept for other African royalty and possibly may even have become a human sacrifice as well because oh of her status. Right. So, now this is in the um, 1840s. She's born in about 1843, I think it is. Um, by this point, Britain's outlawed the slave trade in 1807 and slavery in 1833. So they're actually two slightly different things, which we're not going to go into today. Um, and then in the 1840s and 50s, what they're doing is they're sending around the British Navy to intercept slave ships. And because even though it had been outlawed, there were still some unscrupulous people who were still sending out boats, you know, cheekily to go and um, still do this. So mm. their, the plan of the Navy was to go around, intercept boats who were um, involved in, in the illegal slave trade and then uh, capture them, take them back, etc., etc. And one of the, the groups that are doing this is the West Africa Squadron, the WAS, okay? Um, now, the 
WAS's mission was to get in there and really undermine the trade because the French and the Spanish and the Portuguese are still doing slavery at the moment. Plus, you've got loads of kind of dodgy Brits who didn't want to give it up as well. Mm. And so they're going in. They're supposed to be intercepting slave ships and also going to West Africa and essentially trying to undo all the bad stuff that Britain had been doing for years, trying to use diplomacy to to kind of get the local leaders to stop taking part in the slave trade. Okay, So it's a little bit, you know, bolting the door after the horse is bolted type of thing but uh, at least there's something happening and yeah. because King King Gezo was he was like really the dominant guy it's his main source of revenue he's a big one that they want to get on side and when they went into um, to try and chat to these these leaders they're not going in and, and going all guns blazing and saying stop doing it they're going in very much with diplomacy and so often you would exchange gifts at these encounters and this sort of thing and when um this group now under the the uh, the captaincy of a chap called Captain Forbes, Frederick E. Forbes. Um, Frederick Forbes goes in to meet um, Gazo, and he they you know have chats and all this sort of stuff, and he's trying to encourage him to to stop the slave trading. Um, Gazo gives him presents as as you would you know a keg of rum. Thank you, I love that. <laughs> um, Lovely. Ten heads of cowries. Now, do you know do you know much about cowries in um, sort of trading with Africa? Ten heads of cow cowries, cowries? so cowrie shells, yeah. Oh no, cowrie shells were incredibly um, valued by um, a lot of these African slave traders, and for the Europeans, they didn't really mean much. So what they could do is they could collect up all the cowries from uh, the, the coasts around Europe and use them as currency, really. So cowries are they worth a lot of money? Heads of cowries, they'd be you know created into these mass balls and they'd be worth a lot of money so a couple of those and some nice cloth and in amongst the stuff that um, Forbes is offered is a captive girl now this is a Mobaina we don't actually know whether uh, King Gezo offered him sorry offered her as a as a gift or whether Forbes saw her she was about eight by this time so she's been there a couple Mm -hmm, of years mm -hmm. and and bargained for her. We don't know. But either way, um, King Gazer essentially says, I'm going to give you this girl as, and he says, and this is a direct quote, um, as a gift from the King of the Blacks to the Queen of the Whites. So he's saying, oh, this is a gift for Queen Victoria. It's a diplomatic gift. Take it back. Take her back to Queen Victoria. Wow. Yeah. And do we know how, like, you know, obviously she was captured about three or four years of age, what those years were like for her? No. Was she treated? No, we don't know. No, we don't. I mean, she might she might have been treated okay, given that she was essentially royalty. Mm. Um, but no, we don't. We don't know, um, okay. unfortunately. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Your guess is as off good to as Blighty. Mine. Off to Blighty. Well, now this is the thing. So Forbes thinks, I mean, you know, he's on a mission. He's in Africa and let's face it the journey by ship is not fantastically fast or massively safe mm. um, and he thinks it's that's quite a risk to take an eight-year-old girl on ship with me back to the UK mm. but he also thinks if I don't take her I'm, I'm essentially signing her death warrant because she is going to be um, you know used as a human sacrifice or executed oh or something gosh. so he's like right I'm taking I've her I've got to take her yeah, I've got, got to take to. her yeah so he takes her on the ship and he, he says I'm going to rename her um, he calls her Sarah Although the ship's crew on the way back always called her Sally, which I think is rather sweet. Um, he was Frederick Forbes, so he gave her his name, Forbes, as her middle name. And the ship was called the Bonetta, so that's where the Bonetta comes from. So oh, Sarah right. Forbes Bonetta. God, I wonder how she felt about 
her name just changing like that. Yeah, and I, this is the sort of thing where I don't know that anybody thought to ask her. And in terms of language, if she could understand. Well, yes. I, that I don't know. I don't know if she could understand English when she was when she left Africa. Mm. Then she may have started to learn it because you'd have had um, King Gezo who'd have been doing well, yeah. uh, deals. So she might have heard it and started to learn mm. it. What we mm. do know is that she is very, very smart and she learns very, very quickly. So on the way back, um, on, on the journey, on the ship, she mm. very quickly learns English from basically the Royal Navy, the crew, oh, the sailors. Gosh. Which They're like, come on, Sally. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I got, goodness knows what kind of language she was learning from the sailors. Oh, but God, yeah, wow. <laughs> but they treated her really well. You know, she was she was royal, so they respected that. And and uh, you know, they, she was also an eight year old girl. Let's face it. I mean, this mm. is not. She's been brutally orphaned. She's been enslaved. Oh, she's been she's taken lost from her country. Her I Doesn't mean, bless know what's her. Happened to her siblings. Gosh, now suddenly she's on this ship. Probably has no idea where she's going. Yep. What her fate is at this yep. point terrified terrified i mean you'd imagine so although she seemed to be relatively happy on board ship they'd often hear her singing songs she would sort of play with them and and they chatted lots with her and and she you know bear in mind she's yes she has left africa she's you know she was four when her parents were were murdered so realistically four is quite young how much of that she would have remembered Mm, mm. four years on from that um but also don't forget she was enslaved by king gezo so the fact that that she is now free that is the thing she's got she is being taken away from africa she's orphaned obviously so not great situation but she has got her freedom now right so there may have been I mean, that good. feeling that she's turning her back on something, possibly, the, the, you know, the, the fear and possibly. The... And she never seems to take back her name, Amoba Aina, either. So we'll come to that later, oh, anyway. Okay. So she comes to England. She lives with the Forbes family uh, for a while, and then she's taken to Windsor Castle to meet Queen Victoria. Now, the Ooh. Queen herself is only about nineteen at the time, Gosh, so she's fairly young. A, a big step suddenly, isn't it? Just yeah. Well, I mean, that was always we're the off plan. to Windsor. It was always the plan that that she was the going to be the. Uh, it's awful that she was a gift for Queen Victoria because mm. and, no and human it, should be a gift exactly or should be any sort of ownership there yes, um, absolutely. but also Queen Victoria is not going to be accepting her as a slave or anything like that she doesn't she doesn't so Queen Victoria is absolutely enchanted with her so by the time she's got to England and she's had a, a few months living with the Forbes family as well she's learnt English really well she's mm. started to play music and all sorts of stuff and basically it seems that she is properly sharp and Queen Victoria sees a load of potential in her as well now mm. Captain Forbes and um, what I love about this period is that we do get loads of people uh, writing diaries including Queen Victoria herself so we get to know quite a lot more about um, about people and Captain Forbes wrote in his diary uh, no sorry she uh, Queen Victoria wrote in her diary about Captain Forbes uh, she says Captain Forbes saved her life by asking for her as a present so again not sure if if he asked or was given mm. she's seven years old sharp and intelligent and speaks English she was dressed as any other girl when her bonnet was taken off her little black woolly head and big earrings gave her the true negro type so she, Queen Victoria is kind of it's that sort of thing it's that that weird thing of oh look at this person from a very different place she looks very mm. different her skin colour is very different but she is dressed in the western dress that we and there's an element of you know novelty about it I guess we saw the same thing with the father of Sophia Dulip Singh who comes over and, and all that kind of thing so you know there's there's a bit of 
it's a bit of kind of curio really mm. but she is really enchanted with her and she says that Forbes can maintain custody but she's going to become her godmother and some reports say that she adopts her now what they mean by that is not that she adopts her to be her actual child but she sort of takes on looking after her so she stays with Forbes Victoria becomes her godmother but she pays for her education Mm, and she's given to um the church missionary society to educate her and and Forbes writes as well in his diary that she's a perfect genius she now speaks English well and has a great talent for music and even says she's far in advance of any white child of her age in aptness of learning and strength of mind and affection Mm, so she's clearly a very very smart kid one thing that is a slight problem is that she's she's a little bit sickly she falls ill um quite often often with sort of chest infections and things like that um and when sarah um, sarah falls ill on one occasion queen victoria gets the best doctors out and none of the methods are are working and she kind of had a cough through most of her life and one thing that they thought at the time victorians uh, thought that the european climate was not suited to african bodies so that's why um you know they uh, it's obviously complete rubbish but that was she said, oh, the cold European weather's not great for her and it's too harsh. So she actually decided, rather sadly, she wasn't really particularly happy with the decision, but she gave orders to send her back to West Africa, but to keep her under the crown's protection. And Sarah was a little bit worried because you've still got King Gezo over there who's doing his thing. He's, he's yes, still carrying gosh, on. don't send her back. Exactly. And she doesn't go back to exactly the same spot. She goes to Sierra Leone rather so than they Nigeria. They do. They do end up oh, sending they do. her back. But she's oh. under the protection of the king, of, of, okay. of the crown. So oh, let's hope so. Yeah. Um, she was supposed to go with Forbes, which would have been lovely because she kind of saw him as a father figure. But just before they were due to leave, he fell ill and died. So they, he, oh. he didn't go with her, which is a real shame. So she went off back off to Africa. And by, by all accounts, the entire royal household was so devastated to see her go. Everyone was in tears. She was in tears. Oh, but she went to Freetown in Sierra Leone um, to a school called the Female Institution. And she was taught there. And then when she was 12, so bear in mind, she's still a child at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. I mean, she's gone right? through so much already, isn't she? Yeah, and she's still worried about, you know, this King Gizo chat. But he, luckily, he doesn't she never meets him again and, and that's okay but oh good you know there's there's an element she it does seem that she's quite traumatized by going back yes and when she's 12 um the queen sends for her to come back there are some reports saying she missed england we don't quite know what the status was there but by all accounts she came back very happily back to england and she carries on getting education in kent she lives with a different family a family called the Shuan family who uh, used to be missionaries in Africa. So they understand Africa and that kind of thing. And their daughter, Annie, taught her French and English and she was very musical and she was great at kind of literature and art and all that sort of thing. Mm. And she went to the royal court regularly. She went to see Queen Victoria like all the time. Queen Victoria loved her. She was so impressed by her. Mm. And the royal court was all stunned with her as well. They just thought she was incredibly intelligent. They loved um, uh, playing music and, and her writing and all this kind of thing. But again, it's under the auspices of that lack of knowledge about how people of colour, um, Africans in particular, could be intelligent, educated, and even the press get quite excited about it because they're key, quite keen to discover what impact her presence at court and in and realistically the upper echelons of society are going to have on the quite frankly racist views of this inferior uh, inferior um intellectual level that, that they that it was perceived that africans had mm. 
So you know, this is quite a big deal, really. Um, now, it, it, things change a little bit. When she's 18, she is proposed to. Oh, hello. I know, right? She's proposed to by a chap called James Pinson Labulo Davies. Oh, gosh, that's a name and a half. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Labia. Um, he, la, la, Labulo or Labula. I don't know. Probably Labulo, actually. Labula. Um, James Pinson Labulo Davies. And he is, again, an African, um, a West African. He's actually originally from Sierra Leone, which is where she, had, she was studying for a while. Okay. But he's living in the UK. She's 18. Do you want to have a guess how old he might be? Oh, gosh. Um, well, this is the 19th century, so he yeah. could be anywhere between 40 and 70, really. <laughs> Actually, not so bad then. 31. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Only 12 years older. And so he proposes to her and she says no. Um, oh. Yeah, she says no. One of the him. things... Well, it's not so much that she's not into him. She, she writes to Mrs. Schoen, who she's staying with, and she basically says, you know, a lot of people would say that He's rich and marrying him would be great because you'd have, you know, you'd have your independence. And she and she says, and I say, am I to barter my peace of mind for money? No, never. So Ooh, it's not yes. so much him. It's the yeah. kind of the very thing of being married to somebody. Mm, being subservient, it's that really. ownership thing, isn't it? Because, it really is. You know, a, a feeling when she was a young girl and maybe even kind of a little bit with Victoria where she's kind of told to go with this person and that person mm. and this person it's like well hang on a minute this is the first time maybe she is allowed to decide something herself given the opportunity yeah. so for her being asked to be married to someone is her finally being able to make that decision herself although I'm going to ruin that for you now oh <laughs> does she the, then say yes because she's sort of encouraged and i say that in quotation marks kind of forced oh, by no. queen victoria by queen oh, victoria of all people victoria. to marry her i know right it's like come mm. on vic mm. um so she's sent to brighton where he's living and she's she, she's sent to live with a couple of older ladies there and she hated it she said it was like a pigsty but queen victoria gives her orders to marry him so in 1862 they get married in brighton i know i know it's Oh, it's just, it's so uncomfortable, isn't it? Oh, but I was really kind of team Vic <laughs> over here. I was like, you know, there was a really sweet, wholesome feeling about yeah. Queen Victoria. And I've never had that really the before. The thing with Queen Vic <laughs> is that you, that she's one of those people that occasionally you're like, oh, hey, well done, Vic. And then she'll do something. You're like, oh, oh no, Victoria, come on. Victoria, really? It's really like, yeah, yeah. she really sort of, oh, God, mum, you really scared me. <laughs> Sorry, my mum just walked in and I... <laughs> Oh, God, my heart literally just <laughs> punched the laptop. Oh, dear. Oh, are you all right, Mum? Do you need anything? Are you going to bed? All right. All right, love night, you. Night, night. Night. My mum's staying with me, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 1862. This is when the wedding happens, and it's in Brighton. Um, at a church called St. Nicholas Church. And this is a big deal, because she is Queen Victoria's goddaughter. She is, you know, a, a black woman in society. She's caused all kinds of sort of press reports and everyone loves her and all this sort of thing. So it's quite a full on wedding. It's amazing. There are 10 carriages of oh. high society personalities that come to it. Yeah. Wow. And it's it said it's made up of, I love this, white ladies with African gentlemen and African ladies with white gentlemen. So they basically mix everybody up, which is oh, kind of okay. cool. Yeah, I quite like that. That's nice. The bride is 19. 
she wears a silk white wedding dress, which interestingly was selected by the Queen. So Victoria's really got her hand in this oh. marriage. And at this point, not many people were wearing white. Yeah, exactly. Queen well, Victoria, they are now because it was Queen Vicky sort off. of yeah started all that off. Mm. So. Um, Queen Vic's married by now so you know she's done all that and, and started yeah. that up but yeah she so Queen Victoria selects her wedding dress and she will also select the wedding dress of Sarah's daughter later down the line oh. who will come to oh I know um, she's got these this lovely headdress of orange blossoms as well and the whole thing Ooh. is officiated by the Bishop of Sierra Leone so they you know they ship in all the big dogs for this and 16 bridesmaids. 16. 16 bridesmaids. Wow. Yeah. 16. That yeah. is a crazy hen party, isn't it? <laughs> Just a bit, especially in Brighton of all places. Well, yeah. God, that is going <laughs> to be on the jello shots. Mental. The jello shots, they're all going to be over the pebbles in the morning. <laughs> Skinny dipping in the night. Yeah, there's going to be shoes and all sorts drawn all over the <laughs> it's beach. Be amazing, amazing. <laughs> um, and what's really lovely is because um, Amor Bain or Sarah is up at the upper echelons of Victorian society, we've got quite a lot of pictures of her, including her wedding photos. Now, the um, they had photos taken by somebody who was basically like the Annie Leibovitz of the day for photography, um, Camille Sylvie. And we think that Queen Victoria may have actually commissioned the photos herself. Because let's face it, she's done the dress. She's enforced the wedding. Oh, she, she's to gonna, see a, you know. I need to see an image of her. Let's bring up a her. picture. Bring up a picture, please. Let's have a look. Of her wedding dress. The, or, the, the orange, the orange blossom in her hair. I mean, it's a black and white picture, fairly obviously, but um, this is her here. Let me just share my screen with Emily. So there she is. And oh, she looks stunning, phenomenal. I mean, stunning, that's, stunning. It's, oh my god! It's gosh. quite the dress, isn't the it? The dress is, it's like a meringue, isn't it? It really it's puffs really out quite to the big. bottom. It's and quite high up to the top of the neck. Yeah, classic kind of Victorian sort of modesty. So and neck you've got these to, like, swags at the bottom beautiful it's really oh, beautiful gorgeous um yeah absolutely gorgeous so those i think are the and orange blossoms around the bottom as well she's gorgeous i mean she's yeah she's got real presence hasn't she she's got yeah, this lovely sort of gentle strong face mm. um i think she's amazing mm. so um yeah basically queen vix had a hand in the whole wedding because you know she's a meddler what can i say now one of the things as well is that she, queen victoria says to um her husband James uh, that she's going to welcome him as her and I'll get this godson-in-law I'm not sure that's a thing but, but she says she's happy to welcome him as her godson-in-law welcome him so her, her, sorry Sarah's husband yeah Sarah's husband to be well as, when they're married when they're married, when they're yeah. married. godson yeah. you're my godson-in-law yeah gosh okay and he kind of liked that oh. to the point where when he died, it's engraved on his tombstone. Oh, that he was godson-in-law to Queen Vic. Godson, really did. absolutely. Going to take that to my grave, literally. <laughs> literally, it's going to go literally. on the headstone. <laughs> um, now there is um, a British historian, black British historian called David Olasoga, who has done all sorts of amazing um, TV shows on all different bits of history. He says that, uh, and you know this kind of fits in with everything we've been saying so far that it was really viewed and this is a quote as a symbol of the perceived accomplishment of britain's civilizing mission so basically the wedding of this girl who has come over and become queen victoria's goddaughter to a very rich and powerful african man african businessman this is it's kind of 
what they're saying is yes the home team has had taken a win here that the the fact that these two are here getting married in a very you know in the upper echelons is a win for essentially british emperorism which is or imperialism which is not quite a nice thought but that's how Mm. it's seen it's a it's seen of we civilized them well done team which is a bit uncomfortable but anyway now because she's now married she doesn't really get a choice in where she gets to live so he ships her back to Africa almost immediately, back to Sierra Leone, uh, which is where he's from. And she's baptised there and they settle in Lagos. She becomes a teacher and she has a daughter. Now, rather sweetly, and this is where I think that you get a sense of how much Sarah really values the time that she's had in London and her kind of her place, really, um, in that she asks Queen Victoria for permission to name that daughter Victoria in honour of her. Oh, which is rather lovely. That is lovely. And Queen Victoria becomes um, godmother to that daughter as well. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so grandmother, godmother. No. Yeah. Well, gra- uh, Grand great, great god- godmother. Great godmother. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I think that that really goes to show how Sarah thought of Victoria. If she wanted to name yeah. her daughter Victoria. Yeah, I think so. And you know, of course, it's not all sweetness and light and it's not all sunshine and roses but she's obviously very aware of the privilege that she's been given by by that and and you know maybe she was aware of her potential fate if she'd stayed or if she'd been left rather with um king gazo i don't know yes, anyway true. and she decides you know, she doesn't um, break contact with queen victoria at all she does come back to london to see her with her daughter and the daughter's a little bit older in 1867 um and they went to windsor and they saw queen victoria and queen victoria fell in love with uh, her daughter victoria as well and this is where i can't quite tell what happens here so either she leaves victoria here or possibly victoria returns after sarah dies i can't figure it out but anyway Sarah, possibly with Victoria, possibly not, goes back to Sierra Leone, has two more children, and then she gets one of these respiratory things again. And it, you know, again, she can't clear it. So, um, she decided that uh, she was going to go to Madeira. She actually gets ill with um, TB, tuberculosis, mm. and she goes, "Well, I'm going to go to Madeira. The climate is milder there. That that'll cure my illness." Um, she goes to Madeira and really sadly she doesn't come back so she dies in Madeira at 37 years of age oh, and she's gosh, buried that young. Yeah, yeah that young she's buried in Madeira in Funchal so ever oh, she's going buried to. there wow yeah. and, and is her husband where's her husband buried her husband is buried I think in Sierra Leone mm. he's definitely not in Madeira with her I think he's in Sierra Leone and her three children well, now this is where it becomes interesting. We don't know. Well, I, I, I'm sure somebody knows something about the other two. Um, I only know about Victoria, the oldest. So that link that Sarah has with the royal family continues. Sarah, um, when when Sarah dies, Victoria, who is 17 by this point, um, was in the UK and she was actually travelling to Osborne, Osborne House on the Isle of Wight, to see Queen Victoria. And Queen Victoria sees her and she says, I saw poor Victoria Davies, my black godchild, who learnt this morning of the death of her dear mother. And oh. she says she's absolutely devastated, obviously. Um, she says, I'm going to give her an annuity. So I'm going to give her a yearly uh, allowance, basically. Right, OK. And she paid for her to be educated at Cheltenham Ladies College, of all places. Ooh, <laughs> One of the fanciest nice. 
Uh, established. In fact, our friend Lottie, who came on the podcast a while ago, that's where she went to school as well. Mm. Um, so one of the fanciest uh, schools in the country for women. And they then stayed in touch throughout their whole life. And, and um, she uh, again invited Victoria to the court many, many times. When she'd been christened, when she was a lot younger, the Queen had given her a golden christening set as well. Ooh. So, you know, she she's definitely... This family is, is very, very dear to her. Mm. Um, Victoria, the daughter, not the Queen, uh, marries, again, another West African guy who's a doctor who'd been educated in Scotland. And then she takes her children to meet the Queen in 1900. Oh, my God. So this kind of, like, we're up to the third generation now mm. of this family and their link with the royal family. So they That's meet the really Queen in beautiful. 19... It is really lovely, actually, isn't that, it? Yeah. So they meet the Queen in 1900. Can you remember what year Queen Victoria dies? 1901. 1901. So it's not long before she dies. Mm. And so, obviously, there's no point having the Queen as godmother. So the Queen's daughter, Beatrice, becomes the godmother to Victoria's daughter. So Queen Victoria has been godmother to Sarah and to her daughter, Victoria. And now Queen Victoria's daughter, Beatrice, becomes godmother to Victoria's daughter, Gosh, so it's, as well. it just keeps on going on. Wow. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? That really, it's really is. really lovely. Um, there is a book, so we often we you know we recommend books that go with these things, and there is a book called At Her Majesty's Request, An African Princess in Victorian England, which is written by a guy called Walter Dean Myers. And I think there's a couple of different books, but that's the one I keep coming up against um, as a book that might be worth reading. Mm, and excitingly, it seems that there, it is being her story is being made into a film. Oh, why does this I keep know. happening? You know, I know it's wonderful. We... And then suddenly you find that it's just actually just now where you know a director has suddenly thought, oh, do you know why, be, Emily? It's because Hollywood are listening to us. They are, <laughs> but no. So it's it's going to be turned into a film, is it? We turned into a film. I don't know what the wow. film's going to be called, but it's sort of based around that book that I mentioned. So it may have the same title at Her Majesty's request or something like that. But they also might go for something a bit more snappy. Oh, you never um, know. You might get a theatre production. Another little, oh, another that'd little be good, wine date. That would be good. Yeah. Um, the stars of it are Cynthia Erivo, who is, interestingly, a British-Nigerian woman, the same as Sarah Forbes Bonetta. And she nice. says she's really excited and honoured to take part. Mm. Um, and, oh, she was in oh. Uh, the film Harriet, about Harriet Tubman, who was part of the Underground Railroad, which came mm. out in, I think, 2019. And she got a couple of nominations for that and it's also going to star benedict cumberbatch because you know of course what doesn't of course, of course. <laughs> what doesn't star him um <laughs> and rather lovely so we're going to share pictures of um sarah on our blog which is more of a sort of supporting document to show you the things we're talking about um but in 2020 in october so literally a year ago english heritage who run uh, a variety of different places around the uk including Osborne House on the Isle of Wight, which was Queen Victoria's sort of extra home, I guess you want to call it, mm-hmm. and put a portrait of her on show. And it was oh. a modern portrait. And that picture I showed you of her in her wedding dress, it was a modern portrait that was done from that photo. So it was a really lovely um, sort of colour version of it. Uh, it's this one right here that I'm showing Emily just now. And Gorgeous. that was on... I think it is still on show at Osborne House. Um, the artist is a lady called Hannah Ouzel. And English Heritage did say that around a variety of their sites, they were going to feature portraits of overlooked black figures, which had a connection to their different sites. And that's something that they've oh, been good. doing. Um, they started that in Black History Month last last year. And I believe that that's an ongoing project. Lovely. I hope so anyway. Mm. Um, so that is the story of Sarah Forbes Bonetta. 
gosh, how incredible. You just think of like the, the knock-on effect. Can mm. you remind me of the, the guy who went over and got her, took Frederick her back? Forbes. Frederick Forbes. Yeah. It, it's interesting because what it does strike me is that the whole of her life seems to have been her being passed from one person to another and wanting agency on her life but not actually ever getting a huge amount of agency at, and, until her slightly... Well, I say later years, she died at 37, but her, you know, the latter part of her life when she was able to kind of travel and come mm. back to England and see Queen Victoria and all that kind of stuff. But up until then, it was lots of people making decisions about her life and passing her from place to place without her getting a a choice and a sense of what she wanted to do. No, because even though that, you know, she's being educated well and, you know, the majority of her life, she's obviously in the realms of high society that doesn't really matter. It's still the fact no. that she is a, a human that is still kind of, she's almost still got the shackles on, hasn't she? But they're yeah. made out of gold. Yeah. And it's like... Oh, that's a good phrase. Yeah, you like that? Um, yeah. It's such a sad story, really. Like, I mean, you know, yeah, she's she's not only is, is she a woman, she's a black woman mm. in Victorian society. So both of those things are going to mean that you just don't have as much freedom as you would a like or b that as 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 men would have particularly white men mm. so it's it's an interesting thing she's such a fascinating woman um and most of her life was just sort of made for her if that makes sense yes absolutely yes she couldn't it, it seemed like that the pathway wasn't really her own no it was made for her even when she decides not to marry that guy queen absolutely, victoria still though. steps in and goes nope you're marrying him no chance. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, Sarah. Oh, such a fascinating story. Oh, yeah, that was wonderful. I had no idea about her at all. Never heard, never heard of her. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Podcast Pedestal. Wow, so if you Alice. had to pick a podcast pedestal from that, what would you go with? I mean, there's quite a lot there to deal with, isn't there's there? There's a lot, there's a lot. I do think I know what I'm going to go for, though. Okay. Would you like to go first? Yes, and I did think of something earlier, and then I have now forgotten what it was I was going to pick. Um, I think what I'm going to go for, and it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, like we said, so much of it is is decisions made on her behalf rather than rather than sort of um, her be, having agency over her choices. Hmm. But I think I'm probably going to go with. Uh, Queen Victoria taking her on as a goddaughter, sort of what we're going to call adopting, but not quite like I'm, you know, doing um, air quotes again, um, sort of adopting, but not really adopting, more kind of becoming godmother. Because mm. for me, that's the bit where she she's under some sort of protection. She's under protection of the crown. Yeah. When she goes back to um, Africa, admittedly, the Queen sends her back. I mean, under good pretenses for her, you know, for her health. Obviously, that 
something's wrong, but whatever. Um, she's still got the protection of the crown, and the fact that it then knocks on to her daughter and her granddaughter, and that link stays, I think, is is quite a crucial one. Because Forbes could have brought her over, and Queen had gone, oh, I don't, I don't want somebody else dependent on me or whatever. You know, she could have just said, oh, lovely, just you know, look, take care of yourself, and she you know she she may have ended up doing that awful thing where uh, not sort of not being wanted in society not finding a spot and therefore kind of wasting away in poverty or something so that for me mm. i think yeah i think i know what you're going to go for um do you what do you think i'm going to go for i think you're going to go for forbes um rescuing her well ish actually ish. i'm okay. going to go for the voyage itself Ooh. um cuz I, I don't know it's just such a kind of like metaphor for i don't know it's got that kind of that freedom mm. connected to it and because uh, I, I, i'd just be so interested to know how she felt you I know because she, she's looking at africa and she's sailing away she's been given she's, an english name she's been given an english name she's surrounded by people um that you know are, are natively different mm. um and just what would have gone through her head, especially at that yeah. age. It's such a vulnerable age. So I think that voyage, I think that, you know, of her kind of her back to Africa and going, right, what what's next for me? You mm. know? So I think yeah. that's that's gonna be it's my quite powerful voyage. Image, isn't yeah, it? the the first, yeah, leaving Africa for the first time. There you go. Mm. So there's your picks this week, Chaps. There's your picks. There's your pickies. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So your Great. options are so leaving much. Africa on the first voyage or being, let's say, in quotation marks, adopted by Queen Victoria. I think that's mm. uh, two very good choices. Yes, Fight indeed. it out again. So Paul will go up for that on Sunday. But we're not going to do a Wheel of Destiny this week, are we? We're not because... <laughs> you okay? <laughs> do I need to call someone? um that was my impression of all hallows eve oh right (laughs) interesting (laughs) i was because i was gonna go really loud and then i thought no no i'll wake the house (laughs) so then it was like a a low tone laugh but um Yes, we're not going to spin the wheel of Spit destiny. Spit it out, Emily, come on. Because it's Halloween, guys. It is Halloween. It's Halloween. And if you've been following our podcast since we began last year, you'll know that we got quite into Halloween last year. It did. And um, we're going to get into it again this year. Yeah. So we're going to just pick a couple of random stories that relate to Halloween. Kind of, uh, we, we have actually had a request from a listener a little while ago for Spring-Heeled Jack. So I'm Ooh, going to talk yes. about Spring-Heeled Jack. Oh, you can talk about Spring-Heeled Jack. I am. Basically Ooh. sort of um, creepy, possibly legendary figure on the streets. Well, not just of London, across the UK. So that's going to be... Uh, that's what I'm going to talk about. And then Emily will talk about something else. Spookalicious. Yes. I think I need to get my goth guide hat back yeah, on. Yeah, we haven't been a little while anything from you for a I've, while. Uh, painted my lips black. So Nice. Nice. Yes. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Fabulous. Um, so you can join us next week for some, uh, mm-hmm. some spooky, scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you all for coming along. Yes, thank you, everybody. 
please do go and leave us a review on iTunes. We've uh, we'd love some more five star reviews. That would be amazing. Be we'd so love nice. some more people to come and find us. And we might also be doing a little competition <gasps> soon, might we? Competition. Yes. Just figuring out the Stay details. Yes. <laughs> figuring out the details. But we've got a competition coming up for you. Um, yes. But watch this space. We're not going to tell you anything just yet. But uh, no. keep you on the edge of the seats. Yeah. <laughs> tune in soon. Um, but that's it. Lovely. Well, thank you very much, Alex. Thank you, Em. And um, we'll see you next week. See you Take next care. week, guys. Bye. Bye.